Try to imagine all life as you know it stopping instantaneously and every molecule in your body exploding at the speed of light. Total protonic reversal. Protonic reversal. Protonic reversal. With Conan Neutral. people, friends, enemies, frenemies of all ages, welcome one and all to the one and the only Protonic Reversal here on your Radio Blitz, yeah. Got a great show for you today, should be a solidly Dece to Dece Plus time, gonna play some great tunes, we're going to uh, crack wise like we do. We are also going to have a very special guest who is uh, currently in the room waiting in the wings, uh, Mr. Colin Frangos from the band The Loyalists, who also has made a documentary called Hey Hey What that is about a little band called The Blind Shake and a dude named Michael Yonkers. Fascinating character studies each. This is a documentary about them, their collaborations, and it's uh, an interesting time. Looking forward to talking to him. Oh, we got so much to get to. We got music. We got uh, laughs. Did I mention the laughs? We're going to have some laughs. It's a thing. It's a thing we do here. I'm one wing down. It's a whole situation. We'll get into that later. I believe Real Time Drop will be joining us in the studio, even though she is not here right now. It's always great to hear from Brenna, so we'll be talking to her hopefully as well. More than anything, we're going to be in a world of awesomeness with uh, quite a bit of great music by The Blind Shake and Michael Yonkers. And we do have in the studio my good friend Colin. Hello, Colin. Howdy. Uh, We'll be talking to you later. 
All right. But you're talking <laughs> well, to me we're talking now. to you now, so if I blew your mind just now, I apologize. No apologies. Uh, we're going to hear something from uh, Colin's band right now. This is a song called You're Not Sorry Enough.
That's the blind shake for you. Tearing it down, building back up, tearing it back down again. That was, uh, yes, yes, you clap. You clap, people. That was uh, GoGo78. It was a live version that uh, was brought in by our lovely guest, uh, Mr. Colin Frangos. Lovely. And before that, we had Wise Mr. Owl, which is off the Michael Yonkers Blind Shake, the uh, second one. I think you were saying, yeah. right? Because uh, there's two compilations of this, uh, which we'll get into. Uh, before that, uh, we had... Uh, who do we have? Loyalists. <laughs> oh, yeah. Some band called Loyalists. Jerks. Some jerks. <laughs> which was not Gorilla with a Heart On, which is one of my favorite song titles ever, by the way. Uh, but another... They're actually pretty small, it turns out. <laughs> really? Gorillas? Yeah. Okay. That was uh, You're Not Sorry Enough. Off of the Loyalist record, first the Mohicans, which is a available on uh, your local Bandcamp and uh, places that you would expect to find those things. We we are joined now by Miss Brenda Betts, real time drop. Hello, hi. I'm glad you can make My it. My mic is not on. No, is it? Is. No, your you mic's can on. Can hear me? I can hear you. They can. Okay. The, the listening audience can hear you. Are your is your are your headphones plugged I'm in? I'm just confused. No, okay. maybe they're not. No, that's I can't the, hear me. That's the problem. <laughs> be a good first step, I guess, to make sure that it's in. Uh, so we obviously. Uh, I'm not good with technology. I was trapped in another dimension where it takes ten minutes to get a tea. Yeah, ten minutes for a tea is uh, too much. Way too much, if you ask me. And uh, I'm sorry that you had to deal with that. We we tried to struggle through without you. I'm sitting here. Well, they did have to grow the leaves. So. <laughs> right. Exactly. And put milk in it for some reason. Strange. Are they English? What, what, what's <laughs> Nobody asked me. Hey, you think that would be the kind of thing that they want to <laughs> consult about for a band, but <laughs> I, know. I don't know. I would. And be like, well, there's also the the, uh, the East Coast thing of just they put in the sugar for you. Of, of like, don't do that. Why did you do that? Don't put, don't put that in there. I don't want that. I didn't want anything but hot water and tea leaves. Yeah, it, it seems like it's a pretty simple order, if you ask me. But <laughs> And now I'm going to have a stomach ache in half an hour. Life is hard, okay? First world problems. Are you, are you lactose intolerant, or what's the... A little bit. Oh, okay. I just don't really like milk. I think it's gross. Okay. I always have. And so if you don't drink something... You kind of can't digest it, yes. Yeah. yeah. So, just warning you guys. <laughs> but you're going to keep drinking the tea. Yeah, but the, at this point, I just wanted a you're beverage. Gonna, you're going to spike drink it. Like you, I mean, you've, you've gone. It's sunk costs at this point. You've gone this far with the tea. You might as well keep running I'm with just, it. This week is just has been completely derailed, and I'm not surprised. So I'm just going to roll with it. And for some reason, maybe like this tea will be the best tea I've ever had. In my entire life, and it'll make the whole world wow, better. Wow, way, way to put a lot of pressure on that tea. That's why it took 10 minutes. You probably yes. told him that. It was probably sitting there breaking down in the back room crying before it was presented to you. I can't take the pressure! <laughs> um, well, I hope that tea works out for you. That's, that's <laughs> high expectations. There's a lot invested in that now, this, surprisingly. That was, that was way too much information. There really is. So... Sorry. Getting back to the music we just played, you you were mentioning during the break call on the Why is Mr. Owl? There's a good story behind that song, right? Yeah. I, get, um, I guess the, the Blaha brothers, the two bald fellas that are standing up front in the blind shake, um, one of their 
gosh, I think it's Cousins works for NASA. So they always call him Wise Mr. Owl and, you know, ask him how far it is to the moon and all sorts of dumb science questions. Just kind of like get it all out there and just see what, how he how is it is. Is he known to give the correct answer? Or is it just the fact that he's answering it all that is a, a delight to them? Or I have it... no idea. But right. they've celebrated it in songs. And in song, so. in a good song. And actually, that was one of the first songs that I heard from them. And I was like, oh, this band's really cool. Yep. I like this. And uh, I'm, and you're very intimately familiar with them because you just made this documentary. I've had sex with all three. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know them biblically. <laughs> yep. Indeed. How, how was that? Which one? We did separately. <laughs> all of them. <laughs> you want to know separately. how all of them. <laughs> well, that's that's actually on the pay version of the website. Oh, so. okay. oh there you go. The paywall. That, that's how uh, you Clever. get a little something, something on the side Clever. there. Yep. Yeah. Makes sense. Uh, but you've you've heard a lot of, of Blind Shake and Michael Yonker's music uh, in, in the making of this documentary, I, I have to imagine. Like, can you still hear this as music might be the question. Which is the funny thing. Yeah, actually, you know, that's to me, that was like what I told Jim was I've probably heard the album period more times than anybody, including them. Right. Because, <laughs> you know, I went, I filmed it in the studio and then I made a mix of it and, you know, went through the whole process of editing together and watching all of the footage and editing it down to something reasonable. So I've been through that album a lot of times. I still like it. I threw it on the other day. It's a really good record. For pleasure. You threw it on just yeah, to, yeah, just to just listen to. Doing the dishes. Let's listen to something. It's it's a great record. And that's yeah, no, I, freaky <laughs> that I can listen to that because, you know, don't play The Loyalists again because I really don't want to hear You don't want to listen to that. But, <laughs> right. but theirs I can do over and over again. Interesting. Okay. Because, I mean, you, you, there's been a lot of footage. And for people that are, that are not uh, familiar with the documentary in question, the documentary is called Hey, Hey, What? And it, you can find it at heyheywhat.com. And this is a documentary that's not just about the blind shake, not just about Michael Yonkers, but about the blind shake and Michael Yonkers and about two great tastes tasting great together. Yeah, it's it's... It's it's the Reese's peanut butter cup of, of documentaries. <laughs> no, it's you know, um, I'd known. Well, I met the Blind Shake here. They were coming through town on tour and didn't have a show booked in San Francisco. And I got in touch with them and was like, "Look, I really like your bands, and I, you're just driving through town. Yeah, is, um, is that want a like, show? Is that a thing that you're doing on purpose? Like, what's the right? So we set up a show for them and and uh, played with them. And of course, it was. Not the full blind shake experience because Mike usually plays baritone guitar and he. That's right, I remember this. Accidentally left it in Portland. Oh, man. (laughs) So, which was. No, it was actually great for a couple reasons. Uh, They don't think it's great, but. Yeah. It's. The crowd's fickle, what can I say? Like, there are people in my head. Um, But no, the. uh, uh, It was great because we were supposed to play after them. And at no point in your life do you want to play after the Blind Shake because right. they're just it's amazing. They're everything I would want a live band to be. They just do it all so well, and they're on tour, so they're like top of their game. And Mike forgot his baritone, so they had to go figure out what he could play on bass to actually work it out, bef- like b- right. real time before they so play. They needed yeah, our set 
basically to figure out what they were doing. So we got out of having to actually, you know, <laughs> but, but the having to play great. after him, which is great. You didn't have to have the to, to be the the tea that was going to be served to Brenna that was like, I can't meet these expectations. Right. Yeah. We were not the disappointing tea that oh. evening, which is great. But then, now I feel like a jerk. Tea. <laughs> a jerk to tea. A jerk, a jerk to tea. <laughs> yeah. Not the letter T. No. T, the f- food, I guess, drink. The plant. plant. It's a plant. Yes, sure. Whatever. I'm, I'm, I'm dropping that. Uh, so you, they, and they did rework their their songs into in a more traditional band arrangement. I'm sure it was still fantastic, but I'm sure they felt way out of sorts considering that that's a very unique and interesting instrument that is a very integral part of their sound, <clears throat> which was great. Yes, um, but yeah. So anyway, I met them then, and then uh, next time they came through town, uh, that band had broken up, and I ended up just filming them and. When they saw the footage, they were like, hey, we really like this. We want to kind of get together some live footage and maybe put out a DVD. And I emailed them back and said, yeah, well, I want to make a film about you guys and Michael Yonkers. How about that? <laughs> and they said... Wow, in, in the let's just one-up what you just said phase, that's yeah, I think I, that takes no, the candle. I just figured they'd say no. <laughs> right. And, and they said yes, obviously. They said, yeah, we're recording an album with him in two months. So, you know... If you want to do it, then there it is. Interesting, because at that point there had been another collaboration. We'll get into exactly who Michael Yonkers is in a moment, but there actually had been another collaborative record before that. There have been two. Two. There have been two at that point. Yeah. Okay. Well, one and a half, but yeah. It, so it was not something that was a unknown thing. Like they kind of they kind of walking into it this time, kind of knowing like, like a little bit what to and I, and. I don't want to get too far away from, from, from that ask, but I think it's interesting that I was not really aware of Michael Yonkers in any way, shape, or form before those records. I was only dimly aware of The Blind Shake. But to be sure, I didn't, I, when, I, when I found out, okay, they're doing this collaboration with them, that I, I was like, oh, this guy has tons of records. Like, this guy's been like, making music for forever. And that's something that it kind of seems like, I don't. I didn't realize if it was. Like, is this a failing on my part? Is this something? Does everybody know who this dude is? And like, it's just me that because I worked at a record store, I used to review records. I mean, I've I've hit all the prerequisites. You know, it's, it's, I could sit there and uh, do the checklist, and everyone and they should say like, I should know and already love this guy. I'd never heard of him before. And so that's, how? That's most people. And that's one of the reasons why you you. you Find an interesting character study. I would imagine uh, that you you're hopefully through this and through the blind shake. Being someone known in, in their turns, it'll turn some people on to his music as well. But did you find out about him independently, Michael Yonkers? That is, um, I found, no, they were they were my road into him, um, and I think it was that uh, Cold Town Soft Zodiac was the first thing I bought that I heard with him, and somewhere right around then, uh, might actually I think it might have been the other way. I think I might have heard Micro Miniature Love first. Okay. And then found the blind shape via Yonkers. So interesting. So you kind of went the other way around with it, then. Okay. But, but yeah, I mean, Micro Miniature Love when it finally came out. I mean, the uh, the film isn't really about that, although it's sort of discussed in there. But I mean, basically, in 1966, 67, he was playing in bands in uh, Minneapolis, St. Paul, and came up with this like sort of wildly out of tune guitar thing it's unique to say and, the least like it, it didn't it didn't sound like anything that really had and yeah like, lots, is this 
intentional? Are you trying to do this this way? And unique in a good way. Yeah, yeah. And so the, he, he and his band recorded this record, Micro Miniature Love, which the, the deal was like they were signed to some production company, and the idea was you'd play, and they would bank the money that you earned from playing shows, and then use that to buy studio time. Mm, okay. And they were not popular. Right. So, you know, Yonkers talks about in the film, they'd go out and they'd play these, like, county fair things, and they'd play with polka bands, and he loves polka music. He'd right. just gaga over it. So they'd set up on a flatbed truck, and they would play a set, and then a polka band would do a set, and they'd go back and forth. And when they had enough money from that to afford, like, one studio session, basically an hour of recording mm-hmm. time, they, they cashed in. And they set up, and they recorded this record live. Right. And it got chopped around, and Sire was interested for a while, and then they found out he was too young to sign, and his parents wouldn't co-sign on it. How old was he at the time? Uh, under 18. I mean, oh, wow. Okay, so he was, he was interesting. All right. Um, so Sire backed away from it, and then he got in an industrial accident and had his spine broken. Oh my gosh, that's horrible. And so album goes on shelf. No one pays any attention to it. He's, you know, trying to recover from this and uh, starts playing very folky, very uh, of its era 70s acoustic music. And, you know, laying on his back playing guitar kind of helped him work on some mobility. So it was Hmm. a good thing. Wow. But 30 years go by. And then I think it was 2003. Someone finally released Micro Miniature Love. And, wow! So, and that's a long time. Yeah, yeah that's what could happen that time. A really then, long time. And then point sub, out something obvious. That's Sub Pop picks it up after that, and they right. put it out, and so suddenly it's a big deal. Right. But yeah, there's this like 30 year gap of here's this record of that's been sitting around forever. Wow! And, <laughs> so, wow. and was completely yeah. innovative in its time. But still, kind of sounds that way now. So he's he's an interesting character. So it had to be the kind of thing that you know is, pro- is probably known to certain a certain type of like music nerd or something along those lines before it came. Or was it just something that was just just never on anyone's radar at all? And it came out of like, hey, here's this guy, here's this insane story, here's a record. I think some. I think people knew him. Um, in Minneapolis, St. Paul, and okay. knew that he'd been in bands because but, he had played around before that. Well, the deal was, yeah, he he kind of he put out like four records himself, and he's okay, much like me. He's not very business oriented, so he put the money into pressing them, right, and then just kind of held on to them or gave them to people and didn't really didn't really right. try and get them distributed in any way so filled up a lot of garage space yeah so there are four maybe five albums that he recorded and then just kind of occasionally gave to people and that's about as far as that went um but he would do like um the the open mic night so he would go oh, wow okay. he, would, he would go and he'd play acoustic <laughs> guitar and sing some songs and then all right he kind of he kind of he was really into electronics, right? He built all those effects on Micro Miniature Love. And that's something I wanted to get into. But yeah, continue your thought. So so he would go and play these acoustic shows, and then he kind of got bored with that. So he'd play some acoustic stuff, and then he'd play some rockin'er stuff. And then he'd built all these weird filter noise units, you know, very, very wolfy. One of the wolf bands 
would have played something like this. <laughs> One of the many wolf yeah. fans. There are many, yes. And so he'd have these oscillators and just be making these whoosh, whoosh noises with them. <laughs> right. So he would do like part of a show of folky acoustic stuff in a coffee shop. And then he would set up these big boxes and start making these noisy, whooshy, oscillating things go. Kind of operate in, in two distinctly different worlds with two distinctly different... Yeah, there's not much, not much crossover aesthetically between those two. So, right. so you know, he was doing that, and people were leaving the room and running away, as you'd kind of expect. And right, and he, you know, he just kind of got into this noise music thing, and then he got into this stuff he does lately with, uh, you know, lots of uh, lots of effects on guitars. He's playing solo, but it's very noisy, and there are a lot of delays. Um, sure. And it's 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 a different thing from micro miniature love, but you know I like him as a collaborator. I think that's where he's where, where he's he playing with a blind shake or with gr or someone. They really push him in interesting directions. Well, I'll tell you what. Why don't we listen? Why don't we listen to micro miniature love just to get give folks a little bit of context that maybe if they if they have not had the the luck of. <laughs> being one of the the few that w- were in on it beforehand, uh, and then we'll uh, we'll come back and we'll speak a little more about All that. Right. I'm, I'm giving you the illusion of choice. I'm just going to do it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but the illusion of choice sometimes feels just as good as the choice itself. Thanks for breaking that down for us. Yeah, I, I, I do what I can. <laughs> so this is a micro miniature love by the Michael Yonkers Band. Like a clock Tick tock, tick tock, tick tock, tick Talk, tick tock, tick tock, tock, tock Sound the horn and ring the bell Heaven's turning into hell Turning into death oh, Struggling for every breath Night our fathers and a glory babe He sure knows what's good for me your head Mold is driving on your breath Rats are drinking of your wine People fat and feeling fine Nine hour five and a glory babe 
good for me. Nine hour fathers and a glory babe. Oh, we're crying, dying, sensibly. We're crying, dying, sensibly. We're crying, dying, sensibly with our Okay, that was Cold Town by Michael Yonkers and the Blind Shake. Before that, we had the aforementioned Micro Miniature Love by the Michael Yonkers Band. Just to give you all a bit of context for the wonderful yeah. songs that you can are in store for you and uh, the wonderful backstory on the Hey Hey What documentary. We were talking about uh, mob fronts, uh, stores. <laughs> I believe you, you characterized there was a hardware store that what was... The, uh, yeah, I'm not. No, I'm not joking. I'm. I'm not being. I, I believe I'm you. Sure I've had a conversation with someone that, recently about all the nail stores, nail shops <laughs> in San Francisco. Like fingernails, or like nails you put into a board. Fingernails, okay. like yeah, like salons. Like it's the same. Well, I guess okay, it could be the same thing. You said it was a hardware store. Yeah, it's like Hard, do you hardware own the store. building. How do you how do you pay rent? That's what I'm wondering. Well, yeah, I mean that place. I mean, and again, I lived upstairs from it, but yeah, they had like a couple of plastic buckets and a hammer in the window and it was usually closed but I, I had the bay window out over the street and so at like 3 a.m. 
they'd open up, some guy would show up. So it was pretty clear it was not a very good hardware store. It was like, I really need some finishing nails right now. Yeah, yeah, which they didn't have. So <laughs> too bad we don't a hammer, have it. A hammer and no nails. Yeah. That's that's life. That's what you get. A hammer. I want you to hammer. Nails. It's not for sale. <laughs> This is a but local man, hardware shop for I mean, local people. Well, like, I, no. I went to Chinatown recently, and, like, a lot of those buildings, you can tell they're all painted the same, so it's probably, like, they own the shop and the apartment above and live in the apartment above. But I was, like, I don't, I mean... Just, like, there are those things that are, like, oh, it's, this is, you can get your taxes done here, as well as, uh, you know, you, you can get your nails done. And you plastic can frou-frou thing to put on your keychain. And there's also donuts. You know, it's like, like what? Why are those these three unrelated things all in the same building? Money laundering. That's why. <laughs> Answer is money laundering. It's gotta be. Well, I was talking to Scott Evans about that, actually, uh, th- this week, about how th- there's some studios who are like, wow, this studio is really nice, but there's no client base, so how on earth are they are they keeping this... <laughs> Afloat, and the answer, generally speaking, is money laundering or coke, or yeah, exactly. Or it's it's a front for. Uh, well, there's that. I mean, I I consider that to be a form of money laundering because you're, you know, you gotta. How do you have this money all the time? It's not from drugs, I swear. It's from my studio. We have answers to any of your questions, including how to you're gonna, launder you're, money. Uh, just you're gonna keep doing that, like. Pretty much the whole. Have you heard the show? I don't think you. Yeah, there's a lot of that. Okay. There's a lot of. I'm actually being very restrained today. This 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 is restrained. So every time you reach for the iPad, I should should expect wacky. You should expect breaking glass every time. Please don't play the breaking glass. I could play. I could play the breaking glass. Yeah. Well, you've paid the price with that. I I know. It's going to be a little more uh, sedate today because I am. I am one wing down. So it's 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 more difficult to you and your gimpiness. The sound of breaking glass just brings back bad memories. (laughs) It it does. Conan the Gimp. Conan the Gimp, indeed. So we had Coal Town by Michael Yonkers and the Blind Shake. Uh, that was the, the most recent one, and that was... Ex- most recent song you played, yes. The most recent song that we played, yeah. Not the most recent conversation we had, which was an interesting deviation in how to money launder and hardware stores that are not hardware stores and conclusions that don't conclude. Uh, that is off of the... I got that record. I forget what it's called. Uh, Cold Town slash Soft Zodiac. <laughs> oh, it's, it's okay. Well, there you go. And before that, we had uh, Michael Mancher Love by the Michael Yonkers Band, which is the one that we, we were talking about earlier. So how did uh, – the, the, for people not familiar with the Blind Shake, the Blind Shake is also a, uh, a Twin Cities uh, band. So I imagine they probably – he had to be a local character that they were familiar with, right? And it's um, – They <clears throat> uh... – they met him because Jim was down at Treehouse Records, an absolute institution record store there. If, okay. you're, if you're within 100 miles, just go to Treehouse. It's great. Um, and it's where you'll find almost We'd like to welcome our new sponsor, Treehouse Records. <laughs> mm. um, <laughs> it's also, you know, the owner is a good friend of Yonkers, so they have – he puts out a lot of CDRs just kind of randomly. And okay. They have all of them. Um, so it's good for that. Uh, but, yeah, uh, Jim Blaha was flipping through Seven Inches and found one with this guy dressed as an alien getting out of a spaceship on the cover. Awesome. And it was um, Micro Miniature Love backed with something else that uh, – I forget the label. Someone in Pittsburgh put it out because they found, like, copies of it. 
they didn't know oh, wow. who Michael Yonkers was, and then somehow or other, I think everyone ended up getting connected, and then Distill in uh, who, who are also from Minneapolis, a record label, put out Micro Miniature Love. So Jim found the seven inch, got really excited about it. Was like, this is everything I want to do in a band, right? That um, all of the tuning things and whatnot. Because there is a lot of uh, tuning almost as an instrument. Yeah, and and just using dissonance and discordance in a way that. Uh, and using open tunings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, that's it's almost like a, if not songwriting tool, certainly a, a character to the music. So Jim found the seven inch. And they got really excited about it, and then they found out that Micro Miniature Love was coming out like that week, and he was doing an in-store. Okay. So they went, and you know, Jim was actually almost too afraid to get his copy signed, but he went up and he said something oh, wow. about, you know, Aww. because of you, me and me and my brother are going to be in a band, and Aww, you know, it's Jim. Sweet. Yeah, really. Well, yeah, okay. It's Jim. That is totally. Yeah, he's, he's, the, <laughs> <laughs> he's the nicest, most sweetheart. Seriously. Yeah. It's kind of, you know, I did, I'm not allowed to discuss it, but I did film him murdering a hooker and throwing her body in a dumpster. (laughs) I left that out of the film for uh, artistic reasons, but, but no, he's the nicest guy you'll ever meet in your life. And it's entirely sincere. Um, Cool. But, but yeah, he, he said something to him about, yeah, we're going to be in a band and uh, they'd been playing for a while, but they kind of got serious about it after that. And um, somehow or other. A little while later, uh, Ryan O'Rourke, who books or booked the Turf Club, right. um, noted institution, and in, in also yep. yeah, uh, he asked them to back Yonkers up for for his birthday party. So Ryan, you know, had all, oh, all these people he liked, okay, and um, they were like, "Oh yeah, that'd be great." And I guess I guess by that time, Mike had met him too, like. Because Yonkers has all kinds of spine problems uh, from having had that broken. Sure, that we he wears these, these shoes with with uh, uh, big springs in the heels, right? So oh, he's got these kind of bouncy shoes that he goes around. I've like. heard about those shoes. Right. I've seen people wearing them. They're they're great on your lower back, apparently, especially if it's been broken. But um, <laughs> but yeah, Mike saw him and was like, saw a guy in springy shoes and was like, oh, that must be the guy Jim was talking about and went up and kind of talked to him. And, <laughs> He's like, springy shoes, I know yep. you. <laughs> yeah, There's probably not that many people with springy shoes that are thinking about it. Yeah. In the Twin Cities. Right, right. And, uh, it's probably a short list, I would imagine. I would imagine. I don't six, know. actually. Okay. Um, but, but yeah, so they <laughs> ended up playing together uh, for Jim O'Rourke's birthday party and Jim really wanted him to do Micromanager Love. Like, that was really what he wanted what for he his wanted birthday present. That was the one. Was to hear Micromanager Love and hear sure. the blind shake backing him up. And um, Yonkers uh, said, well, here, here's the song, uh, Carbohydrates Hydrocarbon. Uh, or, no, it's hydrocar- Hydrocarbites Carbohubum. Carbohydrates Hydrocarbons. Right. There's the first version of it, which is the record, and then they redid it for period as the other way around. Eh, it's all confusing. It's too early, and no one's paying attention. But um, You're paying there's, 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 there's going to be one person that's in there like, nope. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's fact-checking. Oh, like. <laughs> and you made a film about this? <laughs> but, yeah, so they played, and they did this one, this one song in a kind of jam thing, and 
then Yonkers got in touch and said, hey, you know, we should record that as a 7-inch. Jim, like, exploded at like, that uh, point. Okay, sounds all they right. They pieced him back together. <laughs> and then a little while later, Yonkers emailed and said, you know, I actually have a whole album worth of material that I think you guys would wow, be really good with. awesome. So Jim, you know, explodes and... Again. Yeah, twice. And that's where the first record came from. And... After that, you know, a little while later, they did uh, uh, Cold Town Soft Zodiac. And that, you know, the first record, as Mike put it, they were sort of, it was like, okay, the, no one in Minneapolis really knew them. They kind of, their big thing was that they couldn't book a show in town, so they just went Oh, really? Tour. Okay. Because, yeah, I, I know the blind shake is the incessant road dogs, but I I didn't realize it was that, that extreme. Well, if you'd watched the film. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> no, they, well, they wow, did. I like how you were so gently snarky at Conan. <laughs> that was working not, that out was gentle, really perfect. <laughs> the gentle snarkiness. The gentle snark. Videos. That's your That's next early. film. Your next I, think I, film. I think I saw gentle snark at the Hamlock the other day. Go ahead. Um, but yeah, so like their whole strategy, which was really smart, was to say, okay, let's find towns that are X big and then figure out where shows happen. And we'll just go wherever and play. Sure. And so they would just go on these week-long tours around uh, the Midwest. And eventually they ended up playing with bands who were kind of a big deal in Minneapolis. And that's how they got to book shows there, was they played with the Soviets at some point. And boom, they could suddenly... They were no quantity then, and they could start booking mm-hmm. shows. But yeah. right, and they were always uh, putting out quality goods and putting on putting on a great show. But it's definitely the kind of thing that I I distinctly remember, just even from when I came in, which was relatively late in the story for my awareness of them. That <laughs> they were definitely, if not in a these dicks category, they were definitely in a those guys category. Which, I have no idea what that means. <laughs> yeah, me neither. I'm, I'm about to explain. So when there's a when there's a band that uh, if the impetus is the listener it feels is not worth their time, it's, uh, these dicks. And then if it's something where it's a more known commodity, it's, oh yeah, those guys. So they were in a those guys category, moving up from yes. the these dicks category. Still don't know what you're Because what I'm talking about is, is that there's a lot of bands out there in the world, right? And, and Conan only has two ears. <laughs> and the impetus is, uh, generally speaking, because there's so much instant availability of music that if you haven't heard something, there, there's this, uh, for some people on the more cynical side. For there, those people. For those people. Are, there, are there, you talking about Mexican skin color? <laughs> There's a there's a perception the <laughs> there's a perception that uh, yeah if you haven't heard something that oh it must be terrible right. or, or something along those lines so that that's a, uh, these dicks uh, but then when it's those guys it's like oh yeah I think I heard those those guys come through town yeah those guys they, they played with uh, you know so and so and whatever so that's when they level up to the those guys category instead of like ah because you, know, you, pers- you have a personal connection to those guys instead of people who might be just. Schmo. Right. Here's a band name I've never heard of playing on a Monday night in a in a venue I'm only you know somewhat uh, kindly towards. You know that 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 level of interest of like, well, I'm not going to go to that because I don't know who that is. But if you see someone says, "Look, they're playing this show. I know it's a Monday. You have to go. You'll have the best time of your life. It's amazing. I'm going to keep hassling you until you just say yes." Then, like when you have that level, like, all right, this must be something worthwhile. And that's that's when you advance from those guys into. 
a, a named band sort of perspective. It all makes sense to me, and it's my show, so y'all can go mount sand <laughs> if you don't like it. You can stop talking now. It's okay. <laughs> we've that was, we've that figured was, that was it out. very defensive, yes. So for when... Uh, with, when I came into it, it, it was pretty well after that, but before they had been sort of uh, the blind shake I'm talking about now, except into like the castle face world and like done all the stuff with the OCs where it was like, oh yeah, here's another great band in this the OCs world. I'm like, well, now, but I mean, they've been around and doing stuff for quite some time, and it's which you wouldn't, you know. It, I'm not going to get down on castigate people for not having context in any way, shape, or form. Let's be clear, and I'm happy for people that enjoy this. We may get different things out of it, but they're enjoying the music, and the music is great, and the band is great, and I'm solidly for that. But it's interesting when you do have the context of, like, no, they were around and playing to seven people on, you know, in Iowa City (laughs) on a Thursday (laughs) and whatever. It's having that context and knowing where they came from and knowing that, Oh, yeah, they couldn't get a show in their hometown. The Blind Shake, maybe one of the finest live bands going right now, if we have not adequately established that. Uh, whether they were these dicks, those guys, or The Blind Shake. Well, and they, you know, they, they are as good as they are, I think, in large part, because they just work. And they're Absolutely. really dedicated to, you know, and as you know, playing shows is different from just having songs and being a band. It's... Being a live band that's really on is a very different skill set. They're not just up there sitting there strumming their guitars, maybe at a a too high, hiked up level. No, no. (laughs) It's an entire, it's a propulsive experience that is, is, I think, very unique. And while it can bring to mind certain, certain other acts for sure, I think it's something they've uniquely made themselves. And they are one of the few acts in a rare echelon where I can say that I can just take someone like, look, come to the show with me. You don't have to listen to the records. Like, just, just come to the show with me and, and you're going to have a good time. And everyone I've ever... They're, sure enough, they're like, that band's awesome. And that's a great thing. It's great to have bands like that out there that can deliver that kind of good. So that's one of the many reasons why I think it's interesting that if there was if this was just a documentary about the Blind Shake, I'd be fascinated. Because I think they're a fascinating character study. If it was just a documentary about Michael Yonkers, I'd be fascinated too, because I love that kind of stuff. Like, you know, the, uh, all the different, I'm a music documentary kind of guy. And I love, like, you know, any kind of, like, lost story or, like, oh, here's a crazy, this weird life they, turn happened. They are on an island in a plane crash, if that's what you meant. Right. <laughs> and so that's the fact that it's both these things together is an interesting way to go about it and I think it's fascinating that you also got to document a time period of this collaboration right so talk to me about that record like what was that like and being like kind of like more (laughs) involved in the process and hearing that music so much and hearing like like that come through as like this like not second go around but sort of like approaching it as like no we're gonna do this as a thing well I mean it their attitude towards the record was, yeah, the first one was kind of like, nobody knows who we are, so we kind of have to do a, something really incredible here because right. this is a, a guy who has now become a local institution. Mm-hmm. And the second record, they actually, um, <laughs> they were practicing in Mike's basement, so they couldn't really turn up. So, you know, they had... Like blankets over the drums and everyone, oh, wow. was, okay. everyone was playing really quietly and then when they got ready to record they said okay we've got 15 minutes we're just gonna go and so they turned everything up recorded it pretty much in one take 
Really? And then it was, so, you know, Mike refers to that as the album where they were trying not to disappoint his neighbors by being annoying for long enough to get the cops called. And then the third one was, you know, a real quote-unquote record where they went into a nice studio, uh, Blackberry Way and Old Blackberry Way, and they spent the time... Tracking and everyone was aware that a record was being made. It was not necessarily being done on the sly. Right, (laughs) not a surprise to anybody. Surprise! Yeah, Yeah. those those boys up there rocking. Yeah, Yeah. I'm trying to watch Donahue here. That's sorry, it wouldn't be Donahue. It would be Doctor Phil, Judge Judy, Judge Judy. Sure. And the real problem with it probably was that there's some guy who. And to be honest, I had no fucking clue what I was doing. I had no idea. (laughs) I'd like. I just bought a brand new camera to film this with, and it showed up like a day before I left. So, wow, I've never made a film before. That's so great. I love that. There's this this guy pointing cameras at them all the time. And, you know, recording is weird anyway. It's like it's hard to play when you're in a studio because it just feels like you're in some kind of sanitary isolation unit. Yeah, I mean, yeah. unless you're like yeah. Muscle Shoals and like a professional backing band or something, like, I mean, it's it's going to be a weird experience anyway, let alone without somebody there. Yeah, pointing cameras <laughs> at pointing you cameras all the time. You. And just, so, um, but no, they rolled in and basically, let's see, everything is one take except for, including vocals. Um, really? Wow, okay. You know, the, the engineer described it as just like usually you set up a record and it's all these pieces and it's a construction yeah. thing and at the end of the whole process you have a record and for him it was just like he just kind of put the faders up on the board and just listened to where the record make itself right Interesting. Um, okay so but yeah there were two songs that had multiple takes one had two and one had three so that was great because that meant i could point the camera at someone else and could get it like a multicam shoot. <laughs> but that's the only way that happened. <laughs> Otherwise, they just kind of got everything set up, mic'd everything, and recorded it pretty much straight. And, you know, they went back and Jim fixed some stuff because he didn't have a guitar setting on his reverb that he liked. And Yonkers sure. did doubled some vocals, but that's it. <laughs> and it's like, you know, and that very immediate. Happen. Yeah, no, that's that's <laughs> well, especially something that and you and you could almost see the case of like if it was just the blind shake who were you know her band that you know they played together all the time and they're around. Sure, but like the fact that it's a collaboration. Like, granted, they've collaborated before, but by by the same token, not at that level of just like all right, guys, let's go in and make a make a record. You right, know? <laughs> and I think I'm, I think they'd practiced with Yonkers once or twice getting ready to make it. Right. But otherwise, they just had demos, and you know they would go in and work really hard, and and then practice twice with him, and then somehow managed to just hit one out of the park. Why don't we listen to one of those ones of them hitting out of the park? Let's uh let's listen to Carbohydro off of that record, so we can uh, give a little context there. How about that? All right, cool. Here we go. Oh, I think I go 
Myself, uh, Michael Yockers, and the Blind Shake. That was off the period record. Before that, we had. All right, there they go, guys. Uh, Carbohydro, which is uh, off the same record, I believe, right? Yeah. I yeah. Don't have that. Yes. So we were also just talking about the fact that the Blind Shake are going to be playing the Bay Area very soon. They're playing the Hemlock Tavern Wednesday, November 5th. Which, uh, real-time drop, I highly recommend you go and see. I'm putting a reminder in my phone right now. Awesome. Like an adult. <laughs> like, an, like an adult. <laughs> Resembling an adult. I didn't say... And they are, they are playing the Uptown as well, but I wanted to note that, first of all, that there's, uh, there's four bands playing Blind Shake Circles, which is a band from Chicago. A band called Meerkaz, M-E-E-R-C-A-Z. <laughs> Which normally be, would take my attention, but there's also a band called, I'm going to make a valiant attempt, uh, Quitinier Pack. Q-U-T-T-I-N-I-R-P-A-A-Q. So there, there those guys go, uh, <laughs> failing every what test I have for a band name, uh, including Pronounceable. Uh, there's the, there's the uh, another, it's the Loud Bar Test. Oh, what's the name of your band? Quitter and Earpack. I, I, what, I did, what did you just say? 
something six pack. I, I, I didn't. I didn't hear it. Yes, uh, I'm sure that means something really awesome to them. Uh, that's strike one in my book. But I'm a dick. <laughs> and they're also playing the Uptown, uh, presumably not with the nigh unpronounceable band, but definitely Circles are playing that as well, which is Thursday, November sixth. I should get him on the show. Yeah, so that's a Wednesday night and a, and a Thursday. They should come in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's early. It is early, but those guys—they're uh, not—they're they're not the Motley Crew types, you know. They're not going to be out partying until the break of dawn. They're probably playing soccer. Yeah, at, at two a.m. They do. They, they do play the soccer. No football. Football. They, that's right. They they play some sort of sport of some kind. Yeah, it's all there's always, lump it all together. It's, always a football in the van with them. Yep. Are we there's talking about like soccer football or football football? Football they, football. They play football. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> soccer is also football. They they run around. They uh yeah they're, they're active dudes. They yes. pigskins. Okay, get it. Yeah, I, I guess Mike has been doing uh, the tough mutter, which is this. Uh, I'm dimly aware of that. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 basically a bad idea, um, <laughs> but you basically you run a lot and lift things and do all sorts of physical stuff to establish that you're very physical. But then they'll electrocute you, and I wow. think they shoot you in the face or something. I I don't know. It's just it's just a bad idea. But Mike's into it, so you know. <laughs> all right, and this is like for. I guess it used profit to profit for fun. <laughs> like this is a oh for fun. Okay, yeah, all yeah. right, of course. You know, they're for kids. They're interesting characters. But um, no, I guess it was like the uh, uh, one of the physical tests you had to do to join MI five. This was like really their, their okay. regimen for the the crap that they expected wow. you to put up with. So okay. I'm saying Mike is in MI five now. Okay, that's that's <laughs> just so we're clear. Interesting. Uh, that sounds. Terrible in my book. Yeah. You know, I guess it's good to have goals. <laughs> I don't know. Speaking of MI5s, I, I heard a interesting story about Sean Connery and James Bond. This is uh, from Eugene Robinson. Uh, I, I heard this that apparently before he was casting the part of James Bond, whoever was directing it was completely against it. Like, oh, no, Connery is not, you know, he's not the type at all because he, he was like not someone, he was not known as a debonair guy necessarily he was known as like some of like a thuggish character uh and so it, to prepare for it i don't remember the, the exact rationale behind it but uh he wore a suit every day for like a month and like even like slept in it until it became he became very comfortable being in a suit because the whole point is like the characters it's the suit's a second skin for james bond right and apparently he became so good at it, at the end of it like yeah the, the director whoever it was Great story I'm telling, by the way, uh, was was like, yeah. Now now you look like you belong on being James Bond, but and you didn't because he looked uncomfortable in a suit. He was just like it's, it wasn't his normal. Like, argh, argh, just, you know, I'm not gonna do a Sean Connery impression, but you understand what I'm saying. He, you he was you not. just did, technically. <laughs> yeah. This is, argh, argh. <laughs> I'll take the rapist. Thousand <laughs> Alex. Have you not seen that? that no, I'm, I'm not. I'm not going to redo SNL bits for you. But there's a great Saturday Night Live. Uh, okay, thanks for the context because I just Connery saw you're talking about. Uh, uh, so confused. And, and well, MI5 is, is how we got there. Is that I, I think it's interesting that um, the actual training for MI5 would not be wearing a suit for 30 days, which would be how to be James Bond, but a, a rigorous physical uh, strongman competition. 
Pretty much. Rolling on logs and water and stuff. And Dragging climbing a refrigerator things. with your teeth. Yeah, it's that kind of thing. Yeah. So my point is don't mess with Mike. Okay. I guess not. Yeah, man. That's uh, good. Wow. Good to know. I mean, uh, can we be friends? Because I need friends like that. <laughs> and I, well, you know, the other thing is, I mean, he, I guess, was playing football for a while at sort of a pro am level. And he's got this really interesting take on. You know, when I was growing up, the idea of a jock being into interesting music was to, it was not going to happen. Totally. Same here. Like, so, it's just like the two, never should the two meet. It was but, not like there was sports and there was like. Right. Music. And he's got this real interesting take on all that. You know, he, he works with high school kids all the time and he wants to encourage them to understand creativity and culture. Right. And, you know, he's really interested in those two things meshing in a way that I would never have conceived of. And he's. You know, he could talk it's about possible. it at great length, and he has a lot to say. It's really that. interesting, um, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's you know, it's not it's not anything I would have ever pictured. But I have found that that is more of a Midwest thing—the sort of like the melding of uh, like like because sports culture out here is is such a you know a, a separate and distinct entity from so much of creative culture. But there's a much more of a melding of it. In the, in the Midwest, I found, especially, I guess, for instance, like Wisconsin, like, you know, the Green Bay Packers are a way of life more than a, than a sports team. And it's not even something where you ask, like, hey, are you a Green Bay Packers fans? Like, of course they are. They live in Wisconsin. Right. And maybe part of that's the community owned team, sure. But I have known that there is a, a lot melding of people that are interested in sports that are also interested in crazy deviant rock music as well. That those two are more intertwined, whereas here it's it's you be safer assuming that they are not right, and they're maybe in fact abjectly disdainful of any kind of sports of any kind because that is the culture out here. So it doesn't surprise me that he has that interest and he has that that, that uh, mindset of wanting to turn on you know these kids that are maybe into you know uh, whatever the football or <laughs> whatever it is that they're into also into, into like into the football let's just pause <laughs> the kids are into the football These really kids, uh... just stop talking now because you're not it's not getting any better <laughs> turn off your radios people turn off your radios and kids <laughs> uh, yeah i mean and i mean i'm not i'm not a big sports guy but i grew up playing hockey so i love hockey well and... hockey's at least fast-paced yes and aggressive Yes. Yes. <laughs> Things happening. Yes. Um, but yeah, I mean, I can sort of, you know, it, it, it's not a worldview I I would have had when I was uh, the age of the kids that Mike is working with. So I think he's doing good things. That's important, you know. Yeah. Because there shouldn't be such a divide of like the weird kids that like weird music, and then the kids that like sports. I, I don't want to make it a cool and not cool thing because I feel like weird oh, kids is, are cool. Yeah, but then like in high school, you're not cool if you're the weird kids. Nope. No. But then again, all like the the, all, for me anyway, all the popular kids end up you know like selling used cars and you know never never <laughs> leaving their their hometown. So yeah, that's true. I can I can say that as well. Being from the south, that's weird to watch. People, I I reconnected with some high school people several months ago, and it was really interesting because they were all like, every single one of them was like, I would love to live in California, but I have kids, and I and I'm just like, 
That's so sad. But you're not sad. You're happy. So that's good. I'm not going to judge your life. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with it. I mean, if they're happy. But still. And yet, here we are on the radio, and we will judge their lives. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Well, but they all were like, I would love to do what you're doing. And I'm like, well, sell your children. Easy. There's a surprising market. Or move with your kids. Like, oh, I don't know. Sell your kids. Problem solved. Huge market. You can get a lot for a white child. <laughs> it's the, Man I don't know. Truth. Well, I mean, the thing is, kids are no kids. I mean, okay, it's not that you can't just uproot your kids and move them, I guess. I don't know. Sure you can. People do it all the time. I know. Like, But if you feel like you'd be happier somewhere else, then maybe... See, I've been struggling with this for days. Like, I've been thinking about moving to Portland because my friend has... A room to rent there for three hundred dollars oh, yeah, yeah. a month. Oh my god! Three hundred dollars a month. I would rent you an outhouse here, maybe. I know, and I like. No, I actually know someone who has a utility closet that's three twenty-five. It's big enough. Is for it for rent? Because I'll live in it. I'm not joking. Well, I need to rent. Rent. He's he's there actually. Oh, so he's living in it. Shoot, I need a deal like that. But no, my friend, I've known her for fifteen years. Although, I I mean, it would. It, it's a married couple, so it could be awkward. Mm, yeah, I don't know. We have a lot of history. But I'm like, should I just move? I could probably end up... Sounds, I'm sorry. This sounds like a pilot for like a like a situation comedy <laughs> to me. But. It could be. It could also be a terrible drama. I don't I don't know. I'm not, I'm not following through. I've been thinking about it a lot, though. Like this whole, like, if you think you could be happy, happier somewhere else, should you just go for it? But, like, I really believe that you shouldn't because... I don't necessarily think I'm going to be happier there because there are always going to be challenges and things are hard. And I don't think you should go leave a place just because it's hard where you are. You should make it work. And, you know, because otherwise, other than the fact that my rent is insanely expensive and anybody, if you have a room for rent, DJ Real Time (laughs) Drop needs to pay cheaper rent. How long have you lived in San Francisco? Three years. Yeah. It's time to move to either Portland or (laughs) at this point. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I keep hearing. That's what people are doing. But I'm like, I like it here. I like living here. I just, I just need to pay like maybe a couple hundred dollars. Less. You just need a good earthquake to. That's what I was saying low, last night to my roommate. Value a little bit, yeah. I was talking to my roommate. I was like, I figured it out. We just need an earthquake that'll fix everything. And he was like, No, that's terrible. It's we'll like, eh, die. Is it? Like, no, it's not terrible. It's it's logic. Nobody has to die. We just have to get some property damage. We just, yeah, we just need a few of, you know, people to get shaken up literally and metaphorically into not charging ridiculous prices for a piece of crap. I don't know. That would be nice. All right. So that's... That's my spiel. But (laughs) I'm just saying... What do you th- No, I'm I'm seriously asking you to like do you think it's time to move? Like if you think you could maybe You're asking me I've don't actually you already just know said- you, but I know yeah, three years. It's you've got one or two places. No, my mom when when she was oh gosh, I think she was thirty five. She moved to Japan kind of just oh, to change just, things. Like just went up and moved. Yeah. And you know, oh. all you'll still have all of the same problems that you have now. Right. But it does change things. I mean, yeah. I mean, that's the thing is like, you know, financially paying less money. You know, not nice. having to worry. It's always nice. But then, like, 
in other places there aren't the same opportunities that's the only thing that well is sure holding me back so look at like look at it this way right like uh if if you are living someplace with a much lower cost of living, yeah, but like wages are also going to be lower as right. well, and, and it's also like what's important to you. I mean, I have been examining. You know, if, we, if we're going to dive into this this nebulous topic, I've been examining what I really like about living in the Bay Area and what that is worth to me, and how much the you know the insane amount of rent that, that I pay uh, to, to maintain for this, and like what is important for me going forward, and that's something that. You know, I think anybody that has any an ounce of self awareness is certainly going to going to examine, and it helps that I really love where I live, and I I really I really like I like everything about. If you were going to move, where would you go? Exactly, <laughs> exactly, <laughs> because most places are terrible. Or, or when I <laughs> when I say terrible, I mean terrible to my interest level. I mean, maybe it's great for an artless, uh, you know, sad, desperate, uh, soul dead person, but <laughs> for me, that's horrible. Well, there's a lot of horrible, soul, soulless, artless people out there too. That's true. So, I guess. so for me, yeah, where where would I go? Well, okay, then you know, there's always like Chicago or Milwaukee or something, right? And then you have winter. We don't have winter here. We don't ever have to deal with winter, and it's awesome not having to deal with winter. So that that's a thing. That's a trade off. And those are the question, kind of questions that you need to ask, like of like you know what <laughs> what's it worth? What what are you looking for? Because a band like the Blind Shake. Notice I'm bringing it back home here. Uh, <laughs> coming from the Twin Cities, they would not be the same band in any way, shape, or form if they were from Los Angeles. You know, they would be, they would have grown up like totally different, and maybe they wouldn't have even chosen music in the way that they chose in the first place. They would have, they would have lived completely different lives, and they would still be awesome dudes, but they wouldn't necessarily be this very unique and tenacious entity that's done all of these different things. You know, if they never saw Michael Yonkers. Uh, music and never were inspired by that. Like, what would that have looked like? I don't know. There's not a documentary on that. There is a documentary on what they did do and what what there is, which is what we're talking about now. But it's all relative and it's all environment. So you have to like ask yourself like, what's what's important and like what it is that you're looking for. Money is not important, except when it is. Except when you can't survive. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you were going to move, where would you go? Uh, I'm not going to move. Yeah. No, well, I, I mean, well, theoretically, okay. not. Okay. Uh, I've long maintained that if the day my wife wises up and kicks me out Aww. of the house, <laughs> I'm taking a guitar and the Hank Williams songbook and moving to Thailand. And wow, okay. Just Why Thailand? Because I love it. Hmm, interesting. And because they're they're ripe for Hank Williams, I figure I show up there, <laughs> introduce his music to the whole country. They will go apeshit over. And you call it. yourself Henry Williams? <laughs> Maybe sure, but you know, couple couple cowboy shirts, acoustic guitar, boom. The world's my oyster. Then I'm just biding my time, being a jerk to my wife until she finally Aww, puts it together to like kick me out. Wow, you really you had a very interesting prepared answer that I did not expect for that. I think about this a lot. <laughs> okay, good to know. Well, I assume everybody thinks about this sort of thing, so it's an interesting topic because you know, who knows? Maybe maybe one day that'll happen. Maybe not. Does that mean that your life is any less enriched? No. I'm biding time till I move to Thailand. Yes, <laughs> basically it's a waiting game at this point. Oh, uh, but it. I mean that. Uh, 
I feel like people put too much expectation on that sort of thing where they think the grass is greener somewhere else and it's maybe it's not. Well, sure. It's maybe always it's, you don't have to it, deal with the problems of living somewhere else. You know, you, you can be like, oh, well, it's so much cheaper there. I'm like, yeah, well, there's usually a reason why it's cheaper. Like, usually you right. trade off for, for something. Right. And part of how my mom could afford to move to Japan, you know, which is expensive, is yeah. she's a, a social worker. So she got a job working right, with right. all of the people who go over there trying right. to escape their lives and then find out <laughs> that they're still the same fucked up miserable person it's just now they don't speak the language right. so, <laughs> the so added there's bonus like a that gold you don't mine of people says, yeah. there of people who are trying to run away from their problems and right. you know yeah See, that's my my whole point is like I think people do that a lot where they make decisions to throw something away because they put so much pressure on what their expectations are what other people's expectations are and they just you're like well i'm not really doing it right so i'm just gonna leave and that frustrates me hmm. it frustrates me because i think you know there is a there are problems in every little thing everything you can find a problem or you're not doing enough or you're not living up to something or you're disappointing someone or yourself or you know that inside you can do better it's like, well, that's great to have ambition, but at the same time, like, chill out. Maybe you need to put less. <laughs> Maybe you just need to, like, be, and it's okay. Like, I, I'm, not, I'm not exactly the perfect person or, like, I'm not very proud of all of my accomplish- accomplishments. But, I mean, I, I think, you know, I like doing this radio show, like, coming, you know, talking to people. It's simple. And it's easy. And so, like, why do things have to be hard for them to be good? I don't understand. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, hard is good, too. I don't know. <laughs> hard, hard, hard can be good, yes. For sure. It doesn't have to, it doesn't have to be, like... this week. I, 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 I'm feeling it. Yeah, I'm, I noticed. <laughs> it was, like, seriously, I've been seriously thinking about moving. And I'm, like... But I like it here. I just need a cheaper place to live. Right. Right. Yeah, you like be everybody. the first person to be driven out of San Francisco by rents. Yeah. I know. That's my point. It's like I don't want to be I don't want to be one of those people. You one know, of I, those dicks. I, I still want to I still want to make t-shirts <laughs> These that dicks, just say, those guys. Right. Oh, right. Keep track. No, I, I still want to make t-shirts that say uh, San Francisco is better before you got here. <laughs> it's pretty good. Because it's true for I mean True of me. I, true. Everyone I yeah. met when I first moved here was like, "Oh my God, this city is, the city has changed so much." And you know that was eight, yeah, that was 1990. And wow, Chris Bullock's like, oh. the only one I know that actually grew up around here. That everyone else I've ever met always comes from someone else, so it applied to almost but every human I'm being. I'm sure yeah. his parents have a bunch of stories about how great sure. it was and why they moved here. <laughs> yeah, and then the yeah. Kid came and every, no, San Francisco. <laughs> I don't know which is better. If it's San Francisco is better before you got here, or San Francisco is better before I got here. But that just sounds like you're the problem. So. <laughs> I know. I think about that a lot, too, when I think about how frustrating, like, you know, gentrification is and everything and the music and the art leaving and everything leaving that's cool and that I love and that made me want to move here from 3,000 miles away by myself, which is what right. I did. But it's like right. and then I get here and I'm like, oh, damn. It's not exactly the same as what I thought. And that's just life. And then I'm like, but it's also me. Like, I came here. I'm part of the problem. Yep. I'm not kicking anybody out of their, where they are. I'm not, like, trying to reserve the soccer field and not play with the 
kids from mm, the neighborhood. Topical. I didn't know if we were going to touch on that. <laughs> but, I mean, I try to... I'm not... I'm also, like, not out in the mission, like... I don't speak Spanish, and I feel like totally like a jerk because there are people that I interact with almost every day that I can't actually talk to because I don't speak their language, and that's kind of crappy. When I first moved here, um, there was a little further down the street here, there was uh, a couple of Irish bars, and they always resented the you know the big influx of of mexicans and latin americans because this had been a strong irish neighborhood for a long time yeah. it was like there I've were two that. two places and that was it and they Aww. were the last stand and they were just grumpy old irishmen who weren't going to move I love irish because people. and now they're dead so oh that's sad. I mean, and that's it's all cyclical, and that's the thing. That's my point. We're coming. Kind of, it's like everything in life, in the world, is all cyclical, and it'll change. And so, why jump ship when it might get better? It might get worse. I don't know. Yeah, there you go. That's that's a uh, reasonable hypothesis. I, I just need I just need cheaper rent. That's <laughs> she all. Just, she just needs. I'll live in a closet. I don't care. If anybody has a utility they closet, can, yeah, <laughs> you can uh, contact DJ Real Time Drop, aka Renabets. Uh, there's no way I can get out of that and get back to any subject matter of any kind. So we're just gonna play a song. This is a uh, Garbage on Glue by the Blind Shake. Live, live, live. <laughs>
can work together And you got there yet Sorry I Starry Eyes, another another live. Yes, thank you. It's, I know it's a great announce. Uh, that's another live uh, Yonkers and Blind Shake tune. Yeah, just Yonkers on that one. Oh, was it just Yonkers? Okay, that's. I was gonna say I, I don't have that. Yeah, and that's kind of his. Indicated. I mean, a lot of his recent solo stuff that he's been doing is a lot more like that, where it's this. You know, you can see how it could be kind of a folk song, acoustic guitar number, but right. he's got this. You know, weird Japanese guitar that he sawed pieces off of and isn't really in tune. And yeah, it's got a very almost uh, a lot of pedals and a kind of menacing sort of sound to it. That it's, uh, yeah, it, it, it's unique. It's definitely unique for sure. That before I got uh, Garbage and Glue, which is the uh, live version of Blanche Shake. Again, if you're if you're enjoying this music. And of course you are, because you're a, a listener of dignified taste. Then you can hear a whole lot more of it and see it as well on uh, Hey Hey What, the documentary about Monkey Yonkers and the Blind Shake that you can find at heyheywhat.com. And which will be screening over at uh, the Nightlight in Oakland. Great, great place. Love that. Love that bar. Sunday, November the 9th. So those guys are in town the sixth or the fifth and sixth, and then the Sunday after that, show the movie. That way you can you can feel like you really know them. You can get over your uh, your your withdrawal from them having left town. Right, exactly. Because there will be shortly after uh, will be shortly after the uh, Blind Shake make a live appearance. Uh, you know, and actually, you were you were talking about just being able to bring people to see them and. I, to me, it was really cool. Like, it would have been uh, 2012 when they were here. They came mm-hmm. out and they were doing a long tour, and they they had two shows out here, and they were going to just hang out for four days, you know, take some time off and relax. Sure, yeah. And 
they ended up. Uh, so we're bl- worst places to end up with some time off, right? And they ended up playing, I, I think, with you guys at the Hemlock. They added that <laughs> yeah, show, yes. and then they added one um, somewhere else in the East Bay. I forget where. Eli's. So I think. yes, at Eli's. But it was interesting because the shows just kind of ratcheted up. You know, people showed up the first night. And then, and then like, you got to see this band. They're playing. The, yeah, all yeah. those people were there the second night, plus more people. Yep. And then all of those people were there the third night. Yep. So it was it was a nice little a nice little uh, nice to see that happen. They're that kind of band. They're yeah. really exciting live. And the next time they come through, they'll see people like, oh my god, they're playing again. I gotta go. Which no, is... they'll they'll have moved to Portland by then. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> all right. Hell. Yes. So and and, and that's. That's nice. That's nice to see. That, that's a nice thing. So, uh, the uh, you can get if you're interested in the documentary, and you, and you go to hey, what you can get a I believe you can get it like a down like what what formats is this available in? Yeah, I it downloads and streams from the site there, uh, and you can you know there's no copyright protection on it. Please don't steal it and post it to Pirate Bay, but you know share it with your friends. That's right. cool. Uh, and there's also actually um, a live show from. Well, we've been listening to the live stuff from that show down mm-hmm. in L.A. at this weird little uh, has, uh, this house sort of that is a Victorian house that is a historical monument, number 157. Mm-hmm. So it's called HM 157. And they just have a stage out in the backyard and cool. they put on shows. And, and yeah, it's that's usually... Where, that's where the live uh, footage that we've been listening to is from. Yep. Okay. Interesting. Uh, and it, you know... It. I, I know now <laughs> that the whole show they basically had you know a PA and some lights and uh, some projections and then all of my sound recording equipment and stuff. Basically, mm-hmm. it was all running off of one power strip, which I didn't know at the time. Holy moly! Really? <laughs> nothing. Wow. Nothing blew up, so everything turned out fine. One of those like nine dollar Walgreens models, Kinda, probably. Yeah. yeah. Um, wow, that's insane, though. But yeah, that was actually Michael's second ever trip to California, and that it's also the same one they, rec- they did the show and that they recorded uh, the record. That that was the same trip. Uh, record was recorded out in Minneapolis. Okay, but but yeah, that was his first trip out here was a few months before, and I filmed that for the film, and then this was his second one, and and uh, according to him, he hasn't touched a guitar since you know he's got a lot of physical health problems so oh, that man, is that's a bummer that is probably the last music michael yonkers is ever going to make so oh that's so sad yeah. but so, i mean it's it's awesome that it's you know, very yeah. well documented and that it's but it's like well uh, and there, there were a lot of technical problems with filming that show because i it turns out i really don't know what i'm doing um <laughs> <laughs> but so I had to spend a lot of time fixing it to make it work. But I mean, you know, it's worth it. I think it was a great show, and I think that it's also nice to have this. If this is the last thing the Yonkers does, it's nice to have it well documented. So right. you can also you can That's also positive. download that with the film. So so you, That's can, cool. you can find all that at, at heywhat dot com. Uh, I think there's uh, yeah, and also and, and <laughs> there's there's a typical <laughs> Colin S explanation of. Whether you want to go Vimeo or YouTube, if you're going to go the streaming model and the advantages to both, and I like that you mentioned that Vimeo is better sound and audio quality or sound and video quality, but it might crash your computer, <laughs> which is a very real thing, and it's nice to see anyone acknowledge that. Where it's like, I love Vimeo, but I'm, I'm someone that has 40 tabs open at any given time, and I get really grumpy if it crashes my 
yes. browser. Which it will. <laughs> which does happen. So that, that, that made me laugh. Yeah. Well, and I'm, I'm trying to put more of the live stuff and stuff that's interesting but wasn't in the film up over the next few weeks. You know, there's some, some shows that, I mean, I think I probably filmed a dozen, maybe 20 Blind Shake shows, so. And That's a couple a of Yonkers shows. Really good amount, yeah. So I'm trying to push some of that stuff live just, you know, because I think it's fun. I think they're a good band, and I think it's nice to have that documented. It, well, it is because, you know, it's one of those things that, and we were talking about you know, documentation and, and this kind of thing. The nice thing about there being like like a movie of this, too, is that that's kind of treated with a certain amount of authority that maybe is not going to be given to like, oh, here's some show on YouTube with, that was just like done like in camera audio right? and, you know, back in the in, room. In phone audio. Yeah. In, in phone audio. Yeah, exactly. In camera audio. What decade is this? And uh, yeah, there's some jackass like talking to his friend in front of the, you know, it's, 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 it, it, it hits on a different level. And I don't know. I, th- I think that's interesting. I think it's, it's really cool. And it's, it's fascinating to me that you just kind of dive forward with it and <laughs> got, well, got the, you know, got got the camera the day before, <laughs> and just went for it. You I know, just assume someone would say no at some point, <laughs> and they didn't. No, so I kind of had to keep I love my bluff. That. Up. That's so great. You just kind of fell into this project, and it worked. That's cool. Yes, you know, well, the, the one thing that I really wish was included. Speaking of documentaries that are an interesting aspect, and mm-hmm. um, when the Blind Shake went on tour, one of their first tours. Uh, Mike, then I believe a PhD candidate or a doctoral candidate or some sort of smart candidate, <laughs> right. brought a camera along and made a documentary about it. Oh wow! Okay, and it's great. It's you know, it's I can see why it might be a little bit embarrassing or why they might want not want to be seen in that light or whatever. But basically, they went on tour and they play all these like middle of nowhere towns, and they built this whole tour about around playing in new york city right. at a place called that they'd never heard of called siberia okay which you know this is probably 2004 2003 siberia is not the country no it's the bar you know it's where <laughs> anthony bourdain and all those chefs hang out after hours okay gotcha it's oh. one of these places and so you know they go through this whole tour and they end up in new york and they get to siberia and there's no real sign. There's just, like, a light out front. And so they think, okay, this place is not legit. This is stupid. And then they find out, like, they're playing downstairs, I think, where everyone goes. But they're like, okay, they're they're screwing us here. This, this booker is just thinks he's got some guys from Minneapolis here. He's trying to screw some, us over. Some rubes. Yeah. And then their van won't start. So they're like, okay, this we're getting out of this. Right. And so... They call it, you know, they, they say, you know what, we're not going to play this show. We, we, our van's having problems. We're going to split. So, tow truck shows up and they put the, and I'm spoiling this because I don't think Mike will ever let anyone see this. Um, no, spoil away. Believe me, I love exclusives. They, they, they put the, the van on the tow truck and the tow truck driver is just like, hey, you guys want to ride in the cab or you want to ride in your van? They all say, okay, we'll get in the van and they're riding through New York to, I guess, get over across the bridge. Sure. Van comes flying off when the tow truck takes a turn, oh, crashes no. into a car that's just sitting oh, there. Oh, my gosh. 
And then, wow. And they're in there and the camera is rolling. Oh my gosh. <laughs> wow, what happened? And what happened is the oh, tow truck no guy looked around, didn't see any cops, put him back on the tow truck, drove away. <laughs> oh my gosh. Wow. And afterwards, they're all just sitting there going, okay, we're not ready for this. We have no idea what we're doing. This wow. is just too insane. We need to. You know, be better at touring or something. We need to have someone show us how to do this because this is insane. We're doing it wrong. We, we at some point have taken like a weird wrong turn in our lives. That yep, I feel like the happened. truth is in touring. As far as I mean, I've never been on tour, but I I know a lot of musicians. I feel like that stuff is actually kind of normal, even though it's totally insane. It happens all the time. Well, yeah. And again, quoting Mike, he 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 said that it's sort of like. Being a band on tour is basically the same thing as being a long distance trucker, except you have another yeah. job when you get to wherever you're going. You know, <laughs> right. you yeah, drive nine sense. hours, you offload some stuff, then you jump around for you know your your twenty thirty minutes <laughs> for a bit. Yeah, <laughs> then you sleep in a just horrible motel and get up really early and drive again and do it all over again. Um, yeah. Yep. And when you explain to people who you work with what it is you do, they have no frame of reference or context and. Frequently, you have to cage it in terms of language like, it's like golf, but different. I have never explained it that way, but that's I'm, a bit, that's I'm a bit, that works with that's a ben Adrian your coworkers. Move. Well, no, it, it, it makes sense because it, it's a something, if you go to these different golf courses like around the world, do you expect to make money when you go to that golf course? No, you're not a professional golfer, but you like golfing, right? And, it's, and you like visiting these golf courses, right? I do like visiting those golf courses. I do do that, says the pejorative imagining person that we're talking to. Uh, so they can understand that frame of reference because they're going to a thing that they enjoy, which in this case would be playing music. But the expectation of, well, do you make money on it? Are you are you famous? Because you must make money or be famous if you play in a band. Like, no, those two things are not right. an assumed commodity. Well, it's, and it's, you know, it's also really weird and disorienting to just spend you know, however many weeks around the same three guys that you already spend a lot of time around. Yes, it is. You don't talk to anyone but them. Yeah. And yeah, it, it gets, uh, it reverts very quickly. I don't care who you are. It's just, it's when you're when you're locked in a box with the same people for that long, it, it gets strange fast. It, it gets very insular. And, uh, you know, you have, you have, like, certain certain humor <laughs> yep. or some approximation of humor that becomes, like, a repeating of in-jokes develops that no other human being outside of the band can understand. And it, there is a secret language to it that, I don't know, I think it's interesting. But and, it's not yeah, for everyone, for sure. I honestly think sitting in the van with the blind shake made them more, un- more self-conscious than just being in a recording studio with them, which was bad enough. Right. You know, they kind of gotten used to me, but... <laughs> But by the same uh, token, yeah. You're sitting in a They weren't people. being as it's open, probably, because they knew they were possibly being documented. Yeah, yeah, some of that, sure. But it's just, you know, you get in this kind of rhythm of things where you reach this stasis where nobody's going to kill anyone else. And I did actually witness a band fight. I was really happy about that. Wow. I didn't get a film it, it. I was going to say that those, I didn't it think was, those guys ever It was fought. like the quietest... <laughs> politest fight ever because <laughs> Jim had been talking to the guy who booked the club while the other two were loading stuff out and so they were both mad at him 
Because they didn't have input in whatever he was talking I about. I wasn't helping carry stuff, which is oh, okay. the main part of the job. Yeah, yeah. that, that is, what is the para-ubu quote? Like, you know, it's it's uh, being in a band is moving heavy things from one side of the town to the other, and occasionally you play music. Yep. I always love Heavy things, not getting lighter. Yep. But yeah, I mean, so so they were they were mad at him, and I kind of noticed something was up, but I didn't really. They weren't saying anything in front of me, and then Jim and I went to get coffee, and he was like, "Yeah, um, we're we're kind of having a little band fight." Um, <laughs> Aww. Awkward. Hey, what's going on? Oh, I I wasn't carrying stuff. They thought I was just. I mean, I was talking to the guy, and and it was just like, oh. <laughs> Because that's, that's the advantage that's of a adorable. trio is you can always be mad at someone. But the advantage of that band is who can you be mad at? You can't right. be mad at Jim for very long because he's just a nice guy. Mike, you know, Mike's a nice guy. Dave's also a very nice guy. Yeah, uh, n- n- very, n- very nice bunch of fellas. Into your that, face, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that that uh, put on an insanely <laughs> aggressive and awesome show that is – has made converts of everyone I've ever drugged. I've, I've actually getting a few messages about the uh, Blind Shake show. People are asking if I'm going to go to that. I don't know why they don't. <laughs> why, why they feel no, the need to ask well, no. what's happening? It's like, yeah, I, I, oh, I hate them. They're terrible. And, and no why chance. Would, why would you care? Yeah. Um, I'm, yes, I'm going to go. I'm, I, will you be signing autographs? Yeah, exactly. Will, will you have be, the t-shirt will you be wearing a funny outfit? Right. The t-shirt cannon? The t-shirt cannon. Please tell me you have one of those. Can we make a potato gun and put t-shirts in it and call it the t-shirt ca- cannon? Yes, we can. Absolutely. Okay, great. We'll shoot protonic reversal t-shirts out into the audience. People That's a great thing. Incredibly confused. It'll be yeah. great. Everyone will love that. And occasionally a potato. <laughs> just, for, just for these especially vicious crabs. <laughs> just okay. We'll make sure we bake it a little bit first so it's more of a splat than a thump when it hits you. Ruin all the fun. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it'll be hot, too. And so. I... You know, I do. Ha- I do have to say that that little stretch of tour that I did with those guys was also kind of funny because it was pretty bad. Um, they, they had a the, the shows. Were, the shows were bad. Well, or uh, <laughs> well, I flew up to Portland. You know, mm-hmm. let them drive. I didn't want anything to do with that drive. I just flew up and met them up there. Yeah. Um, and the I guess they had a booking guy who was not great. Um, mm-hmm. And so he booked him into this venue, the East End in uh, Portland. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I know the East End very well. They had had uh, basically a giant block party uh, the weekend before, or even mm-hmm. a couple of days before. So yeah, it was it was a couple of days before they had closed off the street, had a block party, and the Blind Shake played there on the Fourth of July. People didn't even know a show was going on. Right, yeah. And the, the booker from uh, from the East End, you know, had given them something minuscule, like a hundred buck guarantee. And he said, okay, you know, here's everything from the register. I'm giving you 20 bucks from my own pocket. I love you guys. Come back here whenever you want, but don't ever have that booking guy call me again. And wow. he was telling okay. him. I, you know, I told him if you guys had played here two days ago, you could have played to a couple thousand people. I would have put you on as a headliner. Right, you would have right. cleaned up. This would have been a great show. Yeah. For some reason, he just shined me on about getting you guys here, and then said, "This is the day, and this is the guarantee." And you know, it was this horrible situation. And they've got oh, some guy sucks. with a camera following him around. Right, and that's what's documented instead of like the triumphant. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. none of that. None of that's in the film. But it was just like they're really self conscious then. Yeah, and that's. 
that's when the camera oh. shows up. That sucks. Yep, that does suck. That happens a lot, though. I feel like for musicians. So yeah. I mean, it's very sure real. <laughs> well, and then the next night they they played in Seattle with Police Teeth, who had just come off a tour, who were just great. You know, yeah. Adam's last show with them, and they were just on fire. So the good comes with the bad. Yeah. Indeed, it does. Uh, let's. Uh, we're starting to wind down a little bit. Let's. Uh, what do we hear? Would you radon detector? Let me do that. Uh, cool. Let's uh, let's hear that. Then we'll, uh, we'll probably have to wrap it up. It's um, here's a radon detector.
So that was uh, t- wow. <laughs> Talk to Me by The, the Blind Shake uh, live. And before, <laughs> Jesus Christ, we were talking about the darkest stuff ever during that break. Uh, real life dark stuff. Real life dark stuff. Um, wow. Here, here all, I don't even know. I can't even tell you people what, what we were talking about. It was, it was dark. It was dark. Uh, Let's just say mom's fine. <laughs> I'm talking a lot about my mom. That's weird. Hey, hey, what is the... Uh, we're, we're speechless. I, I just, it's, 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 I wish some of that happened on the air. That's all I got to say. Um, thank you for listening to Protonic Reversal. It's been, uh, Colin, it's been great having you. Uh, HeyHeyWhat.com is if you want to check out the documentary about the blind shake and Michael Yonkers, and we suggest that you do. The screening is at the Nightlight on... November 9th. November 9th. Sunday. 8 o'clock. Blind Shake are playing next month. Uh, Hemlock, number 5th. November 6th at the Uptown. Make I, think, sure. I think Steve's talking. <laughs> Somebody got mad at me for talking over the, the song. I was like, you realize this is the closing theme, and that's like the point of why it's the closing theme is the talk up. Anyway. Uh, it's a great avenue, man. Thank you. Thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, nice to meet you. Loyalists, you got a band camp. It's uh, like Loyalist One or something like along those lines. Oh, it's, no it's, idea. It's, I think it's the Loyalists. We're actually playing the night light on the first, so go check out the Loyalists. A great band. RadioNeutron.com is where you can find this show. iTunes, upgrade that if you are the kind of person into that kind of thing. 
50,000 watts of power. We're on Facebook if you got to. <laughs> uh, anything you want to add, Renna? No. Life is crazy. That's all I can say. Hmm. Life is crazy indeed. Thanks for joining us once again, and we'll uh, talk to you next week. This microphone turns sound into electricity. Can you hear me now? Out on Route 128, dark and lonely. I got my radio on. to my top 10. I'd like to thank our sponsor. But we haven't got a sponsor. Not if you were the last man on earth. She was prepared to prove it. This one goes out to a special girl. There is no special girl! It's the... It's the end of radio! The last announcer plays the last record! The last what? Leaves the transmitter!
isn't really broadcasting if there's no one there to receive. Got my radio. 